This is Greg Ferris, the founder of Myobrain. Thanks for tuning in today. This will be a Myobrain short in which I do my best to talk to tackle a topic in 10 minutes or less. The topic today also came from our clients on a vote, and we're, to be, we're going to be discussing uh, intermittent fasting. I thought the best way to go about this would be just going over the pros and cons based upon what the science has been showing and also anecdotally what we see with clients. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll just break it down like that. Before we jump in to the pros and cons, if you are sort of new to intermittent fasting, I know it's very popular, but all it really is is a way to manipulate your food intake. It's not necessarily a diet like paleo or keto or high carb or whatever. It's just giving you a time in which you're consuming food. So the most common um, intermittent fasting or IF approach you'll probably see is a 16-hour fast followed by an 8-hour eating window. This would be something like you uh, eat from eight, or sorry, from from noon until eight p.m. The rest of the day, you you fast, or people do an eighteen-hour fast followed by a six-hour eating window. A lot of different ways you can do it, but again, that's the idea that you're you're having a, a longer fast than normal, um, as opposed to maybe someone eating at seven a.m. and their last meal at seven p.m. That's like a twelve and twelve eating window. All right. So also before let's jump in, that's kind of the definition of what intermittent fasting is. And then to give a very brief overview of the science on intermittent fasting, because a lot of people like to give unfounded claims about the benefits of it, um, when it comes down to the X's and O's of probably the, the outcomes that you're aiming to search for, there are no differences between two different people doing a regular eating pattern and intermittent fast, assuming they're eating the same diets, right? So you're not going to lose more weight doing fasting. You're not going to build more muscle doing fasting. You're not going to perform better by, by doing fasting. You're not going to have any meaningful impact on your hormones like growth hormone or IGF-1 or testosterone from fasting. That is a, a very common misconception and just people pr promoting that idea is that if you uh, somehow fast and then your testosterone increases in the short term, that that is somehow a, a determining factor on your testosterone increasing long term. And then somehow that's also a factor and actually makes a difference in your body composition, your performance, right? There's a lot of steps people leave out there that just because your, your testosterone increased after something doesn't mean it actually matters. No one's doing a competition to see how high their testosterone is, right? You're, you're doing a competition to see how big your muscles are, how fast you can run, et cetera, right? Um, so just something to, to keep in mind there that, again, we're, we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of intermittent fasting, but it is mostly a personal preference and ultimately how your nutrient timing can affect the big things that matter, which is how many calories you consume per day, how many macronutrients, how many fruits and vegetables, et cetera, you consume throughout the day. And there are factors that can affect that, right? But don't think that a, a bad diet, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, those same exact foods fit into a 16 and eight hour eating window. It's still a bad diet, right? You still have to address the actual foods you're eating at some point. All right. So now let's jump into the pros of intermittent fasting. All right. 
So the first one, and the one you'll probably hear anecdotally a ton from people, is that it helps with hunger control. And this makes sense when you think about what intermittent fasting is, right? Say if you're doing the classic 16 and 8 uh, intermittent fast, that means you can only eat, say, between 2 p.m. and 10 p.m., right? Well, logistically speaking, you're probably going to only eat two to three times within that overall uh, window. And let's say you're someone like myself, maybe you're eating 2,400 calories on a fat loss diet right now. That's about, what, 750 calories per meal, I think, something along those lines. Actually, it'd be 800 exactly. I'm not sure why I struggle with that math. But that'd be 800 calories essentially like every three hours. That's a lot of food to fit in every three hours for me, right? And your stomach is only so big. So when you have very large meals like that, a lot of people anecdotally report that, hey, I'm not that hungry because I, I almost have these huge, huge meals. And it's actually hard for me to eat 2,400 calories within the context of that, right? The food sources you're eating matter a lot here. Again, if you're eating really dense things, you're eating a lot of junk food, really high fat foods, it probably still can be easy to overeat. But again, because your stomach is only so big, because most people can only eat so much food at one time, when you have a short eating window, it really does allow people to almost organically sometimes eat less food, all right? And now for the second pro, which is kind of related to the first one, but this eating window also allows people to be less food focused. So while the first point with hunger control is a bit more to do with your physiological feeling like you need to eat, right? Actual hunger. The second one is a little bit more psychological because you put a rule in place like, hey, my name is Greg. I don't eat food before 2 p.m. That removes a lot of decisions now from your day. So maybe you can focus more on your workouts in the morning or getting your work done or stuff with your kids. Um, so from a productivity standpoint, it can be beneficial to be less focused on food and also cravings. When you put a rule in place like that, and you almost identify with that behavior, again, even though there's nothing magical about 2 p.m., right? If you ate at 1, nothing would bad hap would happen to you, right? Um, when you do that, it eliminates a lot of potentially bad decisions you could make, right? I've talked about this before in the podcast with the idea of identifying yourself as some sort of healthy person, and there's a big difference between, say, person A who says, I'm trying to quit smoking, Versus person B who says, I'm not a smoker. Even if each of them had a cigarette two weeks ago, their identification with who they are allows person B who says, I'm not a smoker to much more easily turn down those cigarettes because it's a part of who they are. So in a similar fashion, if you're doing intermittent fasting and you're in a break room with donuts and vanilla coffee, it's easier for that person to be like, oh, well, I don't eat things before two, so I can't have these things, right? Obviously, you still can have the willpower if you eat a normal breakfast to do that, right? But again, some of those rules can be helpful for people just from a strictly psychological perspective to put themselves in a situation where I'm not allowed to do that. They don't have to make that decision over and over and over again, all right? And the third pro or benefit of intermittent fasting this is more of a logistical thing is that it gives a lot more flexibility to your dinner meal. 
And just from working with hundreds, if not thousands of people at this point, we obviously know that for most individuals, their dinner is with their families, with their significant others, and it's going to be the thing that's the largest for them. Not necessarily because there's any benefit to that, right? But it's just kind of nice to finish your your day with a big meal. You you Hopefully, you're cooking that meal. You have more time to do it, right? So if you're doing something like intermittent fasting, again, let's give my example where maybe you eat 2,400 calories. Maybe I eat like 600 calories at noon. I eat 600 calories at four. And now that gives me like 1,200 calories to play with at dinner, right? So that flexibility allows me a lot more options at dinner as opposed to if I had maybe 500 calories every two or three hours, right? Then my dinner has to be pretty similar to the, the rest of my meals, okay? That benefit now is not exclusive to intermittent fasting because you most certainly could just have like a protein shake for breakfast, right? And then a small lunch and then still have a lot of food left for dinner, right? But that's almost inherently a part of the process with intermittent fasting is that you you do have a lot of allocation for calories for that dinner meal, which a lot of people are going to prefer, all right? This is definitely going over 10 minutes, but hopefully everyone's enjoying this, all right? So now let's jump into the cons of intermittent fasting, all right? I don't want to contradict myself here, but the first con is that for some people, it actually can drive you to overeat, all right? I know that it said for some people it can help with hunger control, but this is just a huge individual variance that you see with nutrient timing, all right? And so for a lot of people, and if you're listening to this, probably a few of you are like this, that if you don't eat breakfast, you get ravenously hungry midday. And if you're not well prepared, that really, really high hunger can then lead to poor food decisions. Because when you have, when you're incredibly hungry, um, and there's a place to your work, say, uh, jack-in-the-box that's two minutes away from your work and chipotle that's 15 minutes away from your work even if you have the time you may be like i'm so hungry i have to get food now so that now intermittent fast you did drove you to a poor food decision because you were so hungry right and you can do a lot of different situations there so i think this is probably mostly a con for people who don't track their food because if you're tracking your food, you still hit your macros, cool, right? You could still, if you're really hungry and you have a calorie-dense meal, it may set you back. But again, you still can make it happen. But if you're not actually consciously tracking your food and you're doing something like intermittent fasting, you could really easily be over-consuming calories because you're super, super hungry at certain parts of the day, right? So I don't mean to, you know, contradict that point, but the real point here with the, the pros and cons of that is for some people having long periods of fast, they don't have a really high hunger and then they can allow themselves to really gain a whole bunch of control of that in a shortened eating window. And for other people going 12, 14, 16 hours without food gets them so hungry, they have to make poor food decisions. All right. So that really can be a con for a lot of people. All right. Uh, the second con here, this is also more of a logistical thing, but it's really important. This is probably the most important con of intermittent fasting, and that is reaching a high protein intake. So again, I'll use myself as an example here, and you can scale this as you need to. I weigh like 175-ish. 
So I try to eat roughly 175 grams of protein. That's a really simple marker to think about it if you're fairly lean. Let's take my example of me eating at noon, four, and say seven. So I'm within that eight-hour eating window. If I divvy my protein take up in the thirds, and I say, let's make the math easy and say I do 180 grams of protein, that means I need 60 grams of protein about every three hours, almost two and a half to three hours. So that means I need to eat like 10 ounces of chicken, two scoops of whey protein and some oatmeal and some peanut butter, and then like 12 ounces of beef, you know, within a pretty short window. So again, that could be logistically really hard to do and maybe really tough on your gut to eat that much protein in a small time frame. All right. So logistically speaking, that can be really hard to do to eat. You know, it, I may be underestimating that. It may actually be closer to a pound of meat um, at, at one sitting. Actually, it would be closer to a pound because, um, no, I'm trying to think here. There should be like 48 grams of protein and eight ounces of meat uncooked. So you're probably looking at like 10 to 11 ounces of meat three times within that window, right? So again, that can be a difficult thing to manage for people, which is why I'm not the biggest fan of intermittent fasting because there's no added benefit for most people to be doing that. And if you want to do something really similar, you just have a protein shake for breakfast. And now you don't have that big problem with reaching your protein intake and having a ton in the afternoon, but you still have a, a lot of calories to play with, right? Which is a pro of, of intermittent fasting, right? So because there's no magical effect you're getting from eating at 12.01 Central Standard Time, right? Um, you can still use some of the principles like, hey, if I delay my meal for as long as possible, right? If I delay any fat and carbs for as long as possible, that's sort of my eating routine, right? Um, all right. So let's wrap it up here with the third con of intermittent fasting, and that is the potential for it to negatively impact your performance. Now, this matters quite a bit with what time of the day you train. If you're someone that's going to be training within that fasting window and assuming you're doing any sort of anaerobic work, so you're doing CrossFit, you're doing bodybuilding, powerlifting, even like a, a group fitness class like Orange Theory or boot camps, those usually your heart rate's fairly high. Um, you're just over time not going to be able to perform as well if you're in a fed state, right? Um, so if you're in that, that group that works out earlier in the day, especially if it's more like not immediately in the morning, like five 30, that may be fine. Uh, but we would still recommend having a scoop of protein or a banana or something to get you going. Um, certainly if you're someone that say works out like at 10 or works out like at noon, because now you're pushing really far into that fast and now trying to train, right? So if you're someone that maybe trains at noon and then you're you start eating at two, now you're you're training at hours 14 and 15 of your fast, right? So you're just really not gonna have a lot of mojo to to get going there. And almost everyone that I've ever worked with um, performs better with something in their system, right? So uh, the only uh, exception to that would be someone that's doing like really low level aerobic work. But again, I'm talking for most of our people do some sort of anaerobic stuff with lifting weights, with with um, high intensity cardio and those sorts of things. All right. If you're someone that maybe works out at six o'clock, you 
probably can avoid this. Maybe you have two meals and then you train, right? So that's something that can be a little bit unique to the actual training time. All right, so let's review here. The pros, again, were can help some people with hunger control from having a shortened window. The second pro was you're less food focused because you're just giving yourself a rule that you don't eat during these, say, 16 hours. And the third pro is that it inherently gives you a lot more flexibility with your dinner meal. Again, although that's not exclusive to intermittent fasting, you can also just have smaller breakfast and lunch meals and get that same benefit. And then the cons would be for some people, it actually drives you to overeat because you're really, really hungry. And most of the time people are really, really hungry. They don't eat chicken and broccoli to, to satisfy themselves. The second thing would be logistically, it's really hard to hit your protein intake, which again can be solved with just something like a protein shake as your breakfast. And then the third con would be negatively impacting most people's performance if you're training within that fast, especially deep into that fast. All right. So that's it, guys, for some of the pros and cons of intermittent fasting. Again, one of the big take home points I want to get from this is that it really does, for some people, allow you to control that hunger, which can be something really beneficial for you long term. But considering there is no inherent advantage to a magical eight hour eating window, one of the really practical things you can do to get, say, the benefits of intermittent fasting without all the nonsense attached to it, number one is to have smaller, if you if you want these preferences, to have smaller meals earlier in the day so you can have more flexibility at dinner, right? And then number two, possibly trying to push back your first meal as long as possible until you reach that super, super hungry mark. And it's best to do that. You probably have to do this somewhat consistently because you probably have a job and a routine, right? But don't think that it has to be at noon or it has to be at two, right? I don't want to sound overly simplistic here, but the idea of like eating when you're hungry and not eating when you're not hungry is actually really, really good advice. And I know people don't like really simple advice because they think that it has to be more complicated than that, but that really can be a good heuristic you live by. So if, if it's the weekend and you wake up at eight and you're not hungry, don't feel the need to eat immediately, but also don't feel the need to have to eat at 2 p.m. Uh, if you're hungry at one, eat at one, right? If you want to push back that meal as long as possible, still get some of the benefits of, say, having a shorter eating window. Same thing. Don't feel obligated to stop eating at 8 p.m. You know, if you're hungry, if you're not hungry at eight and you want to eat at 830, that's perfectly fine too. Again, it's all about finding the nutrient timing that works for you to adhere to your calorie and macronutrient goals. It's better to learn some positive effects of intermittent fasting as opposed to get really dogmatic about the things that don't matter. All right. So that's it for the podcast, guys. Again, you always can follow us at, at MyoBrain on Instagram. Also shoot me a personal message at myobraincoaching at gmail.com. Our website to sign up for any of our services is myobrain.co. All right. Thanks, guys.